the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is. And welcome back. Tuesday, April 5th, 2022. In weeks past, we've had the occasion to talk about my thesis that you may not be interested in political philosophy, but it is interested in you. And to that end, we've discussed a lot of Marxist theory as well as neo-Marxist theory when it comes to a lot of our cultural issues, particularly in education and the gender-transgender battles. I was talking with a friend, a good conservative. We went to college together, and he was lamenting what we often lament and discuss here. Great. We know this, his point, but how do we tell others about you know a conservative truth or just a fact? What do we do about the gobs of Americans who think Florida, for example, banned the use of the word gay and that we are the ones who want to revise history, etc.? How do we blow out the CNN, MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, PBS, New York Times, Washington Post, NPR misinformation machine, propaganda machine, to which I thought it useful to bring him back to a course we took on Plato uh, together – uh, back in college and his book, The Republic. And we talked a lot about it. The question relevant – this is, yeah, I know what you're thinking. This is what you talk to <laughs> – this is what you talk to your old buddies, college buddies about. You do lessons on The Republic. Yeah. The question relevant from that book and for us, aren't we bothered by people who think they see reality though they most certainly do not and we know they do not, though they are certain that they do? The concern arises in Book 7, Plato's Republic. You have Plato putting it this way as between what he calls the enlightened and unenlightened. Posit human beings living in an underground den, which has a mouth open toward the light and reaching all along the den. Think of a cave. Here they have been from their childhood. And they have their legs and necks chained so that they cannot move. And they can only see before them being prevented by the chains from turning around with their heads. Above and behind them, a fire is blazing at a distance. And between the fire and what you might call these cave dwellers or prisoners, there is a elevated platform. And you will see, if you look, a low wall built along the way, like the screen which marionette players have in front of them, over which they show the puppets. So Plato, in the voice of Socrates, continues, quote, you have men passing along the wall carrying all sorts of vessels and statues and figures of animals made of wood and stone and various materials which appear over the wall. Some of them are talking, others are silent, and they see only their own shadows or the shadows of one another, which the fire throws on the opposite wall of the cave. So so uh, Plato has a Glaucon say, well, how could they see anything but the shadows if they were never allowed to move their heads? And of the objects which are being carried in like manner, they would only see the shadows, correct? And if they heard echoes of the passers-by behind them, they would think those were the original voices. Then of a sudden contemplate these shadow viewers and cave dwellers being liberated or at least some of them being liberated. Plato tells us what happens next. Quote, the prisoners are released from the cave and disabused of their error. What's their error? Their error error is thinking the shadows they see on the wall of the cave is reality. At first, when any of them are liberated, 
and compelled suddenly to stand up and turn his neck around and walk and look toward the light, obviously he will suffer, suffer sharp pains. The glare, the light will distress him and he will be unable to see the realities of which in his former state he had seen the shadows and then conceive someone saying to him that what he saw before was an illusion, but that now when he is approaching nearer to being and his eye is turning toward the more real existence, what he's seeing is the clearer vision, clearer vision, the reality. What will his reply be? Will he not be at least perplexed? Will he not fancy that the shadows which he formerly saw are truer than the objects which are now shown to him? And if he is compelled to look straight at the light, will he not have a pain in his eyes which will make him turn away and taken? Objects of vision which he can see and which he will conceive to be in reality clearer than the things which are now being shown to him? You see what Plato is doing here. Once one is brought into the light or enlightened, if you will, there's a shock, an initial shock. First a dif disbelief, sharp pains, glares of distress, and even an initial view that the reality is the false thing and shadows are still the real thing because you grew up with the shadows your whole life. But he will slowly come around and in short enough order, he will see things clearer than they used to be. And then Plato uses an interesting phrase about those who are enlightened and look back at their former cave dwellers and cave dwelling life who are people still in the cave. Plato writes, he would felicitate himself on the change and pity them, his former cave dwellers. He would be felicitous of himself and have pity on the others, the tribe he used to belong to. Felicity meaning happiness, being happiness. I'm not sure how many of you have had conversion experiences, religious, political, ideological. I did. Many of you know my story. Happy to retell it if you want. But that's kind of what we feel for our brethren right now, isn't it? Those who still think that because NBC or The New York Times or MSNBC says something, it has to be true. CNN would never lie to you, right? And on and on we labor and lumber, and this is what continues to bother because this is just one case that, though it happens every day 24-7, takes place on everything from things large and small. Most recently, it's, you know, a couple days old, most recently Donald Trump deliberately destroyed hours of telephone conversations. This was everywhere. This was New York Times. This is CNN. This is like the missing tape, the missing uh, minutes from the uh, from the Watergate tapes. Trump was worse than Nixon. And then, of course, the quiet weekend retraction. No, he wasn't hiding anything after all. Of course, we can be felicitous about what we know. We can even hold in contempt what the cave dwellers think they know. But yeah, it isn't just corrupt. It is indeed corrupting in and to others. This is our concern. The cave dwellers communicating to others. And the more they see it and we call it out and show it, yeah, the more I think the left will have ever and ever harder times sleeping their peace and confidence of what they know or believe or letting us speak pari parsu. Alan Bloom had a great lesson on the cave. He's a great Plato scholar, too. Alan Bloom had a great lesson on the cave. And do not forget that when the enlightened go back, to rescue and enlighten their blinkered brethren, some of those who are still in the cave. Remember what Plato says. Those brethren try to kill the awakened, the enlightened, the truth tellers. Try and kill them. Bloom's point is this, quote, men cannot remain content with what is given to them by their culture if they are to be fully human. 
Think about that. Men cannot remain content with what is given to them by their culture if they are to remain fully human. This is what Plato meant to show by the image of the cave in the Republic and by representing us as prisoners in it. A culture is a cave. He did not suggest going around to other cultures as a solution to the limitations of the cave. Nature should be the standard by which we judge our own lives and the lives of other people. That is why philosophy, not history, not anthropology, is the most important of the human sciences, Bloom writes. And then Bloom puts it this way, liberation from the cave is the ideal of living in truth and freedom. Think about that. Liberation from the cave is the ideal of living in truth and freedom. Now, what do you think the left hates the most? If it weren't those two things, truth and freedom, they wouldn't be censoring us, would they? Remember how Vaclav Havel put it in his essay, The Power of the Powerlessness. If the main pillar of the system is living a lie, then it is not surprising that the fundamental threat to it is living the truth. This is why it must be suppressed more severely than anything else. You see this now with the Twitter employee I quoted to Mark Bauerlein yesterday. This Twitter employee tweeted yesterday after learning that Elon Musk had bought a large portion of Twitter, quote, my, <clears throat> excuse me, quote, <clears throat> my name is Jackson Mulholland and I'm one of the many people here working at Twitter in charge of developing terms and conditions for users. We're not stripping away, scare quotes, free speech. We're protecting users from bullies, bigots, and spam. I refuse to work with or for Elon Musk. I'm resigning, close quote. The first instinct is to say, good, I hope you speak for a lot of employees and that they follow you. But do consider the danger here that we require and we are putting hopes on one multi-billionaire to save us and restore free speech in America. Isn't that kind of the citizen's job, all of our jobs? Shouldn't we be imbued with that ethic in the first place? Well, not anymore. Notice, as I said, the square – excuse me, the scare quotes around the word free speech that this uh, Twitter employee uses as if it's not really a good thing but rather some kind of quaint invention, one value among many others that just right now the right is all about, the conservatives are all about. Imagine the idiocy of a practitioner of communication or journalism as here – who has no concept of the very provision of our founding and country that gives him the freedom to say what he says and have the job he is having. Think about that or the job he is leaving. What is it that allows this to happen but free speech? There's a reason companies like Twitter are not founded in Russia or Saudi Arabia. Notice, too, his disorientation and cabined view of bullies and bigots. To him, Donald Trump, the former president, is a bigot and bully and thus deserves to be banned from the Twitter platform. To him, the mullahs of Iran and Louis Farrakhan are not and deserve their current extant place on Twitter. How can someone be so purblind, you ask? Well, the Farrakhans of the world and the tyrants elsewhere have one thing in common with the left. They speak like the left here in America about America the same exact way. Rotten, racist, colonialist, imperialist, fascist, you name it. In other words, it's no accident that the Chinese diplomatic delegation that met with the Biden administration this time uh, exactly a year ago in Alaska, the Chinese delegation opened the meeting denouncing the United States as a imperialist 
and be racist, claiming we slaughter black people in this country on a routine basis. Straight out of the BLM talking points. Who can blame China for saying that when the president of the United States himself gives voice to those lies and keeps restating false facts that led to false premises about both his candidacy and his presidency? Namely, what he told the world again last week in Poland that he ran for president because his predecessor praised white supremacists in Virginia. A total, complete fabrication. Anyway, if you follow the thinking of the employee at Twitter mentioned above, he sees only those lies. And he is satisfied to control information that we are supposed to have, not that we need to have. And he can dismiss free speech out of hand as of little significance because he's in charge and free speech can only lead to what he thinks are lies and bigotry and what we think is light and truth. George Orwell put it this way, quote, Every war, when it comes or before it comes, is represented not as a war, but as an act of self-defense against a homicidal maniac. Close quote. Have you ever seen so much self-defensiveness? An attendant attack lately in the schools regarding children and the gender wars, as you see right now? The folks at Twitter, in full league with the rest of the elite culture, take the view that might makes right. The view of every tyrant. And these employees are residual legatees of a political philosophy, whether they know it or not, that has always subsisted on this belief that might makes right. It was different here once, appealing as we did to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions to help us struggle to implement the notion that right would make might. And the only way to discover what the right thing is obviously, would be to allow thinking, debate, training of the mind, discussion, conflict, and the tempering of ideas. We value it. They don't. The problem is now they don't see what I just said as an insult. No, they don't. They don't value it and they don't care to. Turns out, after all, those who try to suppress freedom and truth are the biggest cave dwellers of them all, even as they call us the backward troglodytes. This is not a small challenge. But now you see why they hate what we've done, which is to say discovered them and what they are doing to our children in our schools and why they hate that we hate what we have found and why they openly and notoriously attempt the impossible, telling us what we hate isn't happening, doesn't exist, all the while fighting to the end, including with lies, our efforts to ensure it doesn't happen and exist. Why else all these new policies from schools about officials and teachers concealing transgender thoughts, actions, decisions from the children, from their parents? Have you seen this new trend? You are getting them from major school district after major school district announcing that the teachers and the administration will not disclose to caregivers at home, that's code for parent, what the children are doing at school when it comes to transgenderism. The notion of in loco parentis has now run riot, meaning not just standing in the place of parents at school, but erasing the authority of parents anywhere and everywhere, including after school and at the children's home. And that, as we've discussed, to take us back to the beginning, comes from political philosophy as well. If you need which one and a hint, if you need a hint as to which one, what political philosophy? Well, Ronald Reagan once called it evil. 
I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. I just read today – where was I reading this? Somewhere. I read today something. I thought I knew almost everything there was to know about Frank Sinatra. There's a few musicians and public persona that I've, I've just done deep dives on. I've read every biography and that sort of thing. Sinatra's one of them. He's always fascinated me from a young age. But I just learned something today I did not know. He actually tried to get the role of Tevia and Fiddler on the Roof. Can you imagine what a different movie that would have been? Oh, my gosh. I just can't see it happening. I just can't see it happening. Anyway, it went to Heim Topol, which was the right thing to do. By the way, announcement. Uh, Tuesday, May 3rd. Tuesday, May 3rd. We're doing a really special event with the great Larry Elder here. We're doing a really small event, small talk, intimate, at a private home here. And uh, with Larry, we're doing it deliberately small because we wanted that kind of interaction with Larry, that kind of communication with him, uh, that kind of input and feedback um, that you get only in a small, intimate setting. So it's going to be at a, at a in a large backyard, but at a private residence, and it's going to be a small get-together. And then also, uh, even smaller if you want, uh, we're going to have a private dinner with Larry um, that you are welcome to sign up for as well. It's all going very fast, as you can imagine, but 960thepatriot.com is where to go for that. It'll be interesting uh, to uh, hear Larry out on a bunch of issues, uh, of course, including um, including uh, some of his uh, some of his future projects. Uh, so I made reference in the last segment to this latest effort that we are discovering the schools are engaged in. It's not just uh, it's not just teaching uh, sexual and transgender issues to young children. It's this new effort. I. It didn't even dawn on me they would be doing this, that uh, big school districts are now putting out guidelines to staff and teachers not to discuss it with parents, not to discuss it with caregivers at home. Uh, I'm looking at one big uh, school district, for example, large school district would be the better way to put it, uh, that uh, that the memo of which out of Oregon – says the procedure outlines – this procedure outlines the steps that district staff should take in order to protect the privacy of a student when they wish to affirm their identity at school as to spirit, transgender, non-binary, or another gender non-conforming identity. That's the scope of this memo I'm looking at from this school district in Oregon. I heard another one being mentioned from I think on the Gorka show in Connecticut. So this isn't just a one-off. Let me read you more. School staff will not disclose any information that may reveal a student's transgender status to others, including caregivers other than school staff and students, unless the student has authorized such disclosure or the staff member is legally required to do so. They're keeping the students' stuff secret from the parents. They don't want the parents knowing. Do you realize that that's what your government schools are now doing? They're, they're, they're taking away parental rights and turning students against parents as they control the curriculum that the students see. You think this is healthy? You think homeschooling might not just blow up in the next year or so if we don't fix this? Boy, I hope so. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 past the hour, we do our culture and economy update with John Dombrowski. He is the uh, president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is the key to his really great and fun website. He also has a radio show here every Saturday morning, The Word on Wealth, heard at 7 a.m. Happy Tuesday, John. Hey, happy Tuesday, Seth. What's happening? Well, I see the markets are down and... Yeah. Kind of a story tacked on to something we were talking about yesterday over at CNBC. Key people from the Fed just spooked the markets. <laughs> and we were talking yesterday, right? Are there EF Huttons among us? You know, when yeah. when one or two people speak, I think we were talking about Jamie Dimon, weren't we yesterday? Right, right. right. Talk to me about this. Uh, some hawk doves have so- – excuse me, some uh, Fed doves have sounded like some Fed hawks and people got yeah. frightened. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so of course, uh, you know, we are going through this incredibly infla- inflationary period of time right now. Um, inflation running at a 40-year high, basically, is what we're looking at. And um, this is uh, one of the Fed uh, members, uh, Lael, uh, Fed Governor Lael Brainerd mm-hmm. in San Francisco, Fed President uh, and, and, and Fed President Mary Daly. All, mm-hmm. all of the individuals who are part of the Fed uh, get to, you know, speak from time to time and People listen when they talk yeah. because, yeah. you know, they kind of have this little private club of theirs. They get their meetings and have their meetings, but usually Fed Chair Powell is the one that's out there that's basically uh, uh, setting the policy. Yep. But in this, you know, in this case, when uh, these governors speak, it's certainly something that we listen to. And she was basically saying, hey, we are going to, um, you know, do something about the high inflationary numbers. We cannot... You know, the quote is, we, we're not going to let this go forever. I mean, there are, there are people on both sides of this aisle, um, Seth, that have been talking about this, saying that, hey, the Fed is, doesn't need to do anything. Others are saying the Fed needs to, should have raised rates, you know, a year, two years ago to begin combating what they perceive to be an inflationary pressure that was building up. Uh, also talking about the Fed's balance sheet as well, right? Because we've got the Fed, who has been printing money for all of these years, now talking about maybe um, reducing that, also reducing the debt on their balance sheet. So a lot of moving parts to this. Um, I believe that the the market has priced a lot of this in already, Seth. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but uh, if the Fed does surprise, you know, further more than a half a percent of a of an increase in this next increase. That would probably be a pretty big shock to the system, and it would and it would it would tell us what that inflation is not near its end. I think that everybody would agree that inflation is not you know not not near its end. Not under yet. control, I, yeah. you know. But yeah. I would say this is that you know the numbers that we're seeing today is are we maybe putting a little dent in it? Okay. I would imagine we are, uh, but. I think inflation is going to be here through 2022 and into 2023. Maybe at, maybe not at these high levels, I would hope, and but when, I believe in And when you say the market has kind of baked it in, what does that mean? Well, if we look at where the S&P was at the beginning of the year versus uh, some of the gyrations that we've seen over the past couple of months, uh, when the Fed started talking about raising rates and when they did give their first interest rate hike all prior to this, the markets were de- in a declining pattern. Mm, okay. And uh, so we were starting to see a lot of uh, investors out there taking this into consideration. These new price, the new pricing of the market, uh, can't they couldn't sustain the multiples. They felt that uh, the market was trading at. And if we looked at the 
the general key indicators of, of the market um, with the cost of money being one of the big ones for growth stocks, Seth, mm-hmm. as interest rates rise, we've talked about this, mm-hmm. that it most likely would affect uh, profits for a lot of these companies. So in that case, you know, reassessing what some of the valuations of these companies were trading at was something that the markets began to do, and we started to see a lot of these high-flying companies pull back substantially over the past few months. And just while we're defining terms, when I said uh, Fed uh, Hawk and Fed Dove, they're yeah. Fed Doves in the sense that they want, and they typically would 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 go for lower lower interest rates, right? They would typically go for uh, less expensive money, so to speak. And the fact that they aren't is what kind of raised eyebrows, right? Correct. Okay. Yes. Okay. Correct. Perfect. And Thank so you. it shocked the market a bit. Yep. Exactly right. Thank you, yep. sir. Securities and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Fenwin Zipkin, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Pony Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, sir. Go enjoy this great weather, John. Oh, i got to get to an appointment. Well, come join me for a morning hike or run. Wouldn't that be fun? That sounds, that sounds like fun. It was a beautiful morning. Yeah, this morning. sure was. All right, go get him, buddy. All Talk right. to you soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, brought to you in part by the good people of Balance of Nature, balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies I take every day. What are in those fruits? Aloe vera, cherries, lemons, pineapple, raspberries, mango, cranberries, apples, bananas, grapes, oranges, strawberries, tomatoes, papaya, grapefruit, blueberries. Wouldn't it be great to have all of that in your system every single day, never mind the veggies as well? Well, you can at balanceofnature.com using their... Uh, their, 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 their patented uh, pr- a cold press vacuum process, the vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients of all those fruits and veggies are preserved so you get the vital nutrition in each capsule. You just take it once a day. If you don't like swallowing capsules, they're normal size regular capsules. But if you don't like swallowing them, they're designed to be opened and sprinkled into food or drink. Again, every day to maintain your health, to boost your immunity, to even repair your health. Balanceofnature.com. <clears throat> they're fruits and veggies. Been taking them. For three years, it has been keeping me healthy for three years. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. Balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. David is an anthem. Hello, David. Seth, thank you very much. Thank I you. have a uh, quick anecdote uh, as a parallel to your story about the uh, erosion of uh, parental rights in yeah. schools. Yeah, yeah. Uh, years and years ago, I dated a, a gal that was born and raised in the Soviet Union, and she told me a story that she, in elementary school, children were encouraged to turn their parents in. That's right. That's right. That's uh, right. They would, you know, if mom and dad said something uh, untoward about the Soviet premier or didn't toe the party line at home, the children could turn their parents in. Those parents would be uh, interrogated, sometimes arrested, yep. and then the children would be paraded in front of the school and lauded for, oh, they'd get parks you know, named after them. They'd get parks named after them, wow. those kids. Wow. And the Soviet Union would even sometimes – you go back and research some of this. Soviet Union would even sometimes uh, create false stories about it, you know, just to encourage it. You know, some of the kids you read about wow. weren't even – I don't know if they were even in existence. But yes, and then they would name parks after them. It was, it was a big thing to divide parent from child in the Soviet Union. You bet. And that is exactly what's happening right now with yep. your story about the Oregon schools. Exactly. And, wow. Wow. Time to time to wake up. Uh, yeah. Time to wake up. You know, I used to title my monologues years ago. Do you remember those days, Bill? I used to title them Time to Wake Up. I haven't done that in a long time. But anyway, yes, David, thank you for that. Yes, sir. Great show. Thank you, Seth. All right, brother. Thank you for weighing in. Much appreciated. Michael is in Buckeye. Hello, Michael. 
Hey, uh, Seth, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, sir? I'm very well. I, at first, I wanted to tell you, your show is the most intelligent, insightful, and articulate show on the airway. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's a tall, that's a nice compliment, Michael. It's a tall order, but thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, you, you, you meet it every day. Thank you. And, uh, um, I, I've never seen you not meet that bar. <laughs> thank you. It's a great show. You're very kind. Uh, but, You're very kind. But I, your previous caller kind of stole a, a little bit of my thunder because I was going to comment about, uh, George Orwell, yeah. and that his books are supposed to be fiction. Yeah, yeah. And, and today, today they're they're not. I mean, in, it, it could either be 1984 where kids turn their parents in for thought crime. Yeah. Or or it could be Animal Farm where our kids are taken away from us yeah. and turned into vicious killers. Yeah, and right in between those two stories, uh, Michael, between 1984 and Animal Farm, right in between those two is a phenomenon people forget about. You think about tyrannies of the past, uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, you could think about China. You can think about uh, Nazi Germany, for, for for that matter. They all had massively important um, youth movements, the Youth Communist League, the the, the the Young Nazi League, the Youth Nazi Movement, um, the same 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 in, in in China, same in Cuba, same in Cuba. You know yeah. where the state yeah. really is the parent. They need the youth. No, they know this. In in the Sound of Music. Yes. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. The young man who who joins the the, the Young Nazi. That's right. And, and, and actually turns the family in. You know. I mean, it's yeah. Rolling down that same hill, we certainly are, Michael. And uh, that you, you know, you put your finger on my hashtag. A friend of mine sent me a T-shirt. Uh, this was his idea, Steve. I got to give him full credit for it. But you know, when I write about or tweet about this stuff, I have a hashtag MOFA hashtag MOFA, which means Make Orwell Fiction Again. Make Orwell Fiction Again. Yeah. G- Do you see that yeah. picture of Gavin Newsom last week um, uh, reading? "Quote unquote books that are getting banned." He was making a statement about reading the books that people want to ban, and uh, the the second book on his list in the picture was uh, George Orwell's 1984, and it made me pause a moment. Who's banning 1984? Well, the left is banning it, but why would Newsom want to read it? And it dawned on me, it's scary, but you know, it's a little bit tongue in cheek, but not too far. Maybe he's reading it as a how-to manual. I mean, it is yeah, it is yeah. frightening what you read in 1984 and compared to what's going on right now. Frightening. They, they could put that next to the anarchist cookbook. Yeah, you betcha. You betcha. Yeah, yeah you betcha, Michael. Um, I, the thing I'm interested I'm going to have a guest on uh, later in the show, Bethany Mandel, who does a lot of work on this, some of the best work there is. And I'm going to ask her because I can't get a sense, and I don't know if you can ask all of you this. Do more people in this country are they are they with us on this, Michael? Do they agree with our perspective on this stuff and what's going down in the schools, or are they kind of with I, Disney? I, I can't get a full read on it. What's your sense? I, I actually think that more people are with us. I mean, I, I've already canceled all my Disney Plus subscriptions, same, and, and everything else. I, I, I and and there were there were several programs. I love several series. I love watching on Disney Plus. Yeah. But when when they came out to to support this insanity, it was it, it was like I can't I can't 
consciously support Disney yeah, yeah. With, my, with my dollars anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I canceled as well. Thank goodness they make it easy, actually, for anyone who's interested and finds canceling too hard. Actually, the Disney website makes it pretty easy, as does their ideology, quite frankly. But uh, yeah. Yeah, they, they make yeah. it pretty easy. But, you know, it's such I a – I think part of – go I ahead. Think, go ahead. I think Annette Funicello would be rolling over in her grave. Uh, you know, I'll, I mean, you know, Dick Van Dyke's still alive. Mary Poppins was – I'd love – I don't know. He's probably not going to weigh in, but I'll tell you why. Because they have they – have, it's kind of an interesting trick they've played here, Michael. They have um, – They've taken these issues that are really, really very uncomfortable that really only they are comfortable talking about if you think about it. They've taken them and they've made us kind of feel uncomfortable talking about it. And that's maybe why it's hard to to understand if Disney has the ball or if our side has the ball. Who's 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 the bigger force here? Who's the for, are the forces of composition winning or are the forces of decomposition winning because they've taken such a tender issue. It's a little bit uh, hard for conservatives to speak about, but not here. I, you know, this we're we're going to talk about it here. We're not afraid to address it. Exactly, and that's one of the biggest reasons you're you're my favorite uh-huh. on the dial. Oh, and uh, but it, it it is it's uh, I, I think I think there are more of us than them. It's just that they're a lot louder. Yep, they sure are. But we'll get there. We'll get there together, Michael. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Godspeed. We'll be right back. John Hinderocker is going to join us at the top of the next hour to talk to us about the implications, uh, possibilities, and, uh, yeah, reservations about Elon Musk's uh, new presence at Twitter. You know, he this has been a big story. I don't need to repeat it right. He's bought and uh, may, he may be the largest uh, – uh, the largest shareholder there, although some people are saying BlackRock, but maybe the largest individual now. Uh, we'll talk to John Hinderocker from Powerline about that. I just wanted to say something about Barack Obama returning to the White House today. I don't know if you saw the clip going around. <laughs> There's a clip in uh, – I'm not sure which room it is. Is it the Roosevelt Room? I'm not sure. I can't exactly tell. But there's a room in the White House where Barack Obama and Joe Biden are at and all these people, I mean, I don't know, eight or nine people are up talking surrounding Barack Obama. And Joe Biden's all alone to the side. No one wants to talk to him. He at one point throws his hands up a little bit uh, wondering, you know, what happened to him? What happened to him? Um, but I was looking for a story on it. And the first one that came up, is this, this is – CNN's not even hiding it anymore. The CNN story is what popped up, like the good old days. And it's written by not two op-ed writers, but two news writers, Kevin Liptak and Jeff Zeleny. May I read you just a little bit from the top? When former President Barack Obama walked into the White House on Tuesday, it was his first time in the building since he welcomed then-President-elect Donald Trump for coffee on the morning of Trump's inauguration. That friendly greeting at the North Portico, including the awkward handoff of a blue Tiffany's box the Trumps had brought as a gift, couldn't foretell the acrimony that would lie ahead as Trump shattered the relative amity that had once existed between former and current presidents. Trump shattered that amity because of why he went after Obama. 
or did Obama go after him? Obama's return to the White House didn't include any of that ugliness, they write. Do, do you guys remember the meeting between Trump and Obama being ugly? I, I have no memory of that being ugly. Instead, he was celebrating one of his signature achievements, the Affordable Care Act, alongside the man who served with him in building for eight years that presidency. The Affordable Care Act is certainly a signature achievement of Barack Obama's. I want to find one person, one, whose health care got better as a result. I want to find one whose health care got better, whose health care got less expensive, and who was, in fact, able to keep their doctor without a problem, as was promised. What does that lie compare to all those lies the Washington Post said Donald Trump was guilty of? What's that lie cost us? The lie that if you like your doctor, you can keep it. You can almost hear Joe Biden saying, period, before he goes on to his next run-on sentence. All right, buddy. Don't go away. We'll be right back. John Hinderocker coming right up. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 